What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. This is Resistance in Residence, where we profile artists using their gifts to change the world. This week's Resistance in Residence artist is bassist, composer, arranger, and associate professor in the jazz and popular music department at the University of Arts and Science in Chiapas, Mexico. Raul Perales is also the band leader of futuristic funk band Mojadas Fritas. He's been in Chiapas for some years now, but was a local gigging musician in the Bay Area for many years before his move to Mexico. Thanks for joining us, Raul. Thank you for having me. So we'll get into your current work with Mojadas Fritas and your time in Mexico, but I'm wondering if we can just like start from your early times as an artist. Can you... Tell us a little bit about your early introductions into music and into playing bass specifically. Yeah, well, it, I think it all started with uh, kind of by chance at um, finding a clarinet here at the house, and um, it was my it was my stepdad's clarinet, and I was I think I was taking basic music classes at uh, at Claremont, and I was doing well. That, and the that's teacher Claire, Claremont Middle School. Claremont Middle School. Yeah. And I was doing well. It was Mr. Lockett. I remember Mr. Lockett. And um, uh, he invited me to play in the or- in the orchestra. And I was like, well, I don't really know how to play yet. But, um, you know, I started getting lessons and started teaching myself. And um, eventually that turned into an interest in the bass guitar because I, I guess I kind of just it, that instrument didn't really speak to me that much, maybe. <laughs> the, the clarinet didn't speak to you. Right, the clarinet. Yeah. And um, I actually spent some time in Chiapas when I was 13. My mom sent me over there because I was getting into trouble. And and I got interested in the, in the bass over there. And I just started, like, teaching myself from, like, Bob Marley records and and stuff like that. And then um, where I started more seriously was uh, the jazz school before it was California Jazz Conservatory. Um, I got a I got a scholarship to study bass with David Below, great bass player in the Bay Area. And um, yes. and that was like my kind of where I got more serious and started learning how to um, read for electric bass. And and there's kind of a, I mean, you know, the Bay Area is, is so rich. Like, I guess I just picked up a lot of stuff from, from different sources, from like La Peña Cultural Center. There would be workshops. Uh, at my high school, Oakland Tech, there was Khalil Shahid in the after school program. Um, it was kind of like a little bit here, a little bit there, and I never really had formal training, but I just, I mean, the Bay area was like, you know, has always been a fertile ground for all kinds of music, like, you know, funk, hip hop and gospel and, and Cuban music and all this stuff. So I got a lot of experience along the way, just from different, from different sources. And I know that you've played in a lot of those styles of music. I'm wondering if you can, like, a, a lot of people coming up as musicians 
sometimes like shoehorn themselves into particular genres or particular styles. And I know that you've played with bands stretching all those genres that you just named. I'm wondering if you could talk about some of the projects that you were involved in when you were living here and also just how you uh, came into diversifying so much in your musical style. And I'm, I think a lot of it has to do with just being exposed to La Peña at a young age and seeing how um, artists like Jesus Diaz and, and John Calloway and a host of other artists that just, you know, blend kind of seamlessly many different styles. And um, I feel like, you know, words for genres aren't even, aren't even enough, but like, um, I guess you could say that my main two, like my two main influences in the Bay were probably like black American music and, and all the different Cuban styles. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that kind of just paved the way for, for everything else. Like, I think, I always came across jazz musicians like, or musicians that were, you know, I don't want to like, what do you you call it? Like pinhole anybody, but like people that, that would play jazz among many other things. And, uh, and I couldn't really hang. Like I wasn't, I wasn't really, I was kind of a, I started playing jazz much later on, but, Mm -hmm. but um, I guess you could say like the Cuban music and the, and the, and the, and the funk gospel roots stuff kind of just led me to everything else. Like uh, Maya, Maya Kronfeld was probably one of my main um, influences for like getting into other stuff, kind of more, more difficult harmonic stuff and kind of jazz related stuff. And, uh, and, the, and Rafa Postal and then later on Valerie Trout, but it was just, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, all those folks are really incredible local Bay Area musicians. Maya is uh, from the Bay, also an incredible keyboard piano player. Rafa is a great trumpet player. Valerie Trout is a great singer. Um, I wanted to just mention, and because you mentioned uh, a mix that included what you call Black American music, and I think that's a really important label that we don't talk about enough. I'm just wondering if you could mention for a second uh, what that uh, reference or what that name, Black American Music, is referring to specifically? I think for me, well, I came I came across that because um, I, you know, I'm a fan of Nicholas Payton and I read a lot of the stuff that he's commented about about jazz. And for me. When I when I heard his concept of Black and American music, it really spoke to me because being in Chiapas and being outside of the country, I really realized that I grew up in Oakland with primarily influences from from Black American music, from all the way from the blues to hip hop and everything beyond and in between. And um, especially coming across facing like wanting to be part of this thing called jazz, I had to face like what 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 is it really or what is it really that I'm seeking? And it was really kind of there all along because um, I mean, from what I understand, like Nick Nick Payton really just says that, and and I mean, 
he kind of like retells the story of jazz a lot of times and saying that jazz is kind of a pro- problematic word. He says jazz is the four letter word, which is something that <laughs> Mac, uh-huh. Max Roach said. And, and he basically points to a lot of the main artists historically and jazz didn't really believe in that word. They just believed in the music that they were doing and they just lived a lot of like the black music tradition and blended a lot of the things seamlessly, which is pretty much how I know that many of my fellow artists and teachers have have done, like Valerie Trout. I mean, her music is extremely diverse and you could call it jazz, but it's really just kind of an amalgam of, of black music and other things beyond that. And I think there's also part of it right where people who get pinholed into the quote-unquote jazz genre sometimes end up having less access to paid gigs or well-paid gigs, right? Because the the jazz world is kind of financially a different market than the quote-unquote popular world of music. Exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah. And I mean, there's the whole, there's the whole phenomena of, of jazz basically having been created by primarily black folks and then um maybe not always reaping the economic benefits of that and um you you know you can see that across across many genres and all of the history of the u.s and the americas the co-optation of the culture and the and the, and everything and i think this is uh, even though you know i'm i'm mexican mexican-american it's this is a, an important part of my story because i, I grew up in oakland and um and it's also something that happens with Latin American music, you know, and Latin American culture. Absolutely. And also calling it, using that term Black American music, it's it identifies where the influence came from very specifically, right? Um, mm-hmm. From Black culture that we are when we're listening or playing to quote unquote jazz, the four letter word where we're listening to Black American music, not just jazz, but also like you said, blues and gospel and in that whole world Mm -hmm. so we talked some about some of the artists that you played with and established yourself with here but then after playing and establishing yourself here in the bay area as a musician you moved to chiapas and i'm wondering first what brought you there but also what was it like to have to try to establish yourself there a little bit more from scratch than all the years that you had put in here well, Chiapas was always, like I said, when I was 13, I lived in Chiapas for a year and I mm-hmm. always, I always loved it culturally and because my family is there, my mom's family is there and it's an incredible place from, from, from the food to the culture, to the, the different, the diverse cultures there. It's not just Mexican culture. I mean, uh, there's many, many languages that are spoken there and and it's huge, it's a huge state. It's kind of the California of Mexico mm. in terms of its richness. <laughs> and I, ever since I lived there, when I was 13, I was impacted by it so much and um, it just changed my worldview so much that I kind of felt like I always had to go back. And as an adult, I played there when I was uh, it was like 2012. I played there with Dynamic, with Darian Gray and Kamiko Joy, Colin Hogan, and Michael Weiner on the on the guitar. And um, we played there, and I had a great time. 
And I felt like I just wanted to, to maybe live in Mexico as an adult because that's where my mom is from. That's where my dad is from. And and in the U.S., sometimes like you, you never really quite fit in being a Latino. You know, I mean, even though I'm from the U.S., even though I'm from Cali, I was born in San Francisco. You know, I was always an insider outsider, and I I wanted to feel like, well, what does it feel to really belong, like in your culture, or like to really like get into my root Mexican roots and live as a as an adult in Mexico. And, you know, eventually I had, I did that in 2014 and I really liked it. And I, I established myself pretty quickly. You know, as a musician, we're lucky to anywhere we go, we can meet musicians pretty quickly and, and start playing. And I started playing Son Jarocho a lot. Well, I started playing Son Jarocho in, in California too, but there I started playing more often in San Cristobal and singing and and getting into, actually ended up getting more into black American music or so-called jazz and kind of like fine tuning a lot of the stuff that I grew up with. I'm, I'm wondering if there's musical influences and inspiration that you kind of see and have access to in Chiapas that like when you first got there or still kind of catches you off guard or is just really different from what you have access to here? Well, what what basically happened was that, for example, I always wanted to get more into like straight ahead jazz here, but it's kind of hard if you don't play upright. And uh, I just never gave it the time to get into that, to, to get into that. Basically, when you say that, where I think it's actually kind of useful or, or makes it easier to talk about um, music or or repertoire, I guess, is when you say straight ahead jazz, then, you know, you're you kind of automatically thinking that, you know, like 50s, 60s, Miles Davis and jazz standards and what what is most commonly thought of, you know, as that thing. And that's that's something that I didn't really never really solidified. So in, in San Cristobal, I basically got to play more jazz standards with um, some really killing musicians. Tom Kessler, this Mexican guitarist, who's amazing. And with Abraham Calderon and with a host of other characters. And that just opened up another world for me in terms of my instrument and improvisation and like harmonic knowledge. So I got to really get into um, standards, which was pretty cool. And that's something I'm still doing. Then I discovered Unicach, a jazz and popular music program, one of the only three jazz programs in Mexico. And I I started going there to finish my studies because I never I never finished my music studies. So that was something that was really surprising and that really kind of worked out. And now you're an associate professor there, right? Now I'm an associate professor there. I'm teaching bass, big band, ensembles, composition, and it's pretty great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's an awesome transition from being a student to being a teacher in the same program that you came up in. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier, you mentioned uh, the experience of being kind of an insider outsider here in the U.S., being a Latino and trying to part of your interest in moving to Mexico, moving to Chiapas was 
to have an experience of like being around the community and the people who's where your family grew up. I'm wondering if you also have any kind of a insider outsider experience there because you grew up in the U.S. Definitely. It well, a lot of people don't don't even think that I'm um, from the U.S. Well, a lot of people wouldn't assume that. They just maybe think that I'm from the north or from Mexico City or Guadalajara or something. Because mm-hmm. they know I'm. P- people can tell pretty quickly that I'm not from Chiapas. Well, some people can. Is that based on your accent or? Yeah, sometimes I speak like a Chiapaneco, but sometimes I just speak kind of generic Mexican Spanish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and but I've been in touch with my family from Ch- uh, from Chiapas since I was a kid, so I feel part of it. But I definitely know that I grew up with other values and other things, and um, it's kind of great. I think it's not as um, negative, maybe as some of the feelings I had in the U.S. Because we all know that like racialization and that kind of like the racially charged kind of conflicts you grow up with in the U.S. are are always there. And um, especially as a kid in Oakland, it was always like really something that struck me, you know, how how we could be so divided amongst like black and Latino and Asian and white cultures and like. It's pretty crazy, man, living outside of the U.S. now and, and reflecting on that. And not to say that there aren't problems like that in Mexico, but the U.S. is such a special case. You know, it it it, could, it, it's, it can be pretty divisive and neurotic, like all the all the different racialized problems and everything that comes along with it. And I mean, I'm just wondering because it, you have this perspective that's so different. I mean, I've lived in some other countries, never in Mexico, but, you know, race is, race is such like a social construction that has to do with so many things. One of the cultural elements there, of course, is music. There's so many others, but like, how does race play out in Chiapas where you are? It's actually interesting because race and economics and class and everything, um, kind of is is becoming more of a of a of an issue now in San Cristobal because it's becoming gentrified and because there's a lot of digital nomads and it's becoming a more of a thing now it's uh you know some of the people that visit say that they feel that they're you know being ostracized or that that the locals hate them or something like that and then you know some of the local people resent them because the rents are going, you know, are becoming increasingly expensive and because they have access to a bunch of things that, you know, maybe the local people don't have access to. So it's, it's definitely, I mean, you know, a lot of the issues we deal with in the Bay area are now starting to become um, the same kind of issues that people are looking at in, in San Cristobal and other places in Mexico. Damn. It's like the globalization of gentrification. It's everywhere. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess on on that front, maybe on others, but I'm wondering if in the music that you're playing or the uh, the university that you teach at, in your experience there in Chiapas, is there a relationship between what you're doing on the music world um, with 
any like community building or political projects? It's definitely something that I'm I'm kind of trying to like flesh out. And for me, for a while, it's been kind of like just sharing my music and sharing the particular way that I play and hear and conceive of music. Um, I mean, it's definitely been an, an educational project at the school to incorporate a lot of that stuff. And it's also been kind of an edu- edu- educational project within my own band. So, so what happens is basically I've picked up a lot of students for me um, as musicians for, for my band, Las Mojarras Fritas. And I not only try to infuse the band with like East Bay flavor and East Bay funk, and but I also talk to them a lot about this concept of Black American music because um, I think it's a really important part of the story and it's a really important concept musically to not be just kind of wedded to this idea that you have to play like jazz from the 50s and the 60s um, in order to be an improviser, but rather you can think of the whole kind of lineage of Black music as a as a really important tool to understand modern music. Because let's face it, a lot of the popular music that has been both commercialized and uh, used aesthetically as a form of expression has come from the kind of Black United States experience and for the whole world, you know? This is a really important thing. Like, James Jamerson as a bassist influenced many, many, many bass players and will still influence many more to come. And things like that, you have to really acknowledge that and it's important for the learning experience, both as a player and as a and as an academic. Yeah, um, you brought up your band Las Mojadas Fritas. I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about the band, what it um, what it sounds like, what it is. We'll listen to some of that music right now, and then come back. did the project come into being and you, can you tell us about the album that you all put together called Groove Music that project started in 2016 I think and um, it was a host of other different musicians there there are a lot of great musicians in Chiapas to choose from so, so um, at first I was, I was just playing some of the songs that I sing that I've written with lyrics and we were maybe playing some covers, like some Christian McBride stuff. And um, it's always been kind of this more groove-oriented groove project. And it was basically my way of, um, I kind of, I think I felt like I really needed and missed um, kind of Bay Bay Area-infused type music, you know, that, that 
that mixes a lot of a lot of genres that has harmonic harmonic complexity or or hipness i don't know what you want to call it and and that just grooves really hard and so that just that just started in, in that started in 2016 and then when i got it uh when i started studying at unicach i saw the opportunity being in college again uh to just work on my own project and really get my music out there so i started composing a lot I started composing a bunch and then I started um, getting my colleagues from Unicach to play with me and um, and it, and you know I took it on as this musical project as an educational project and as an important like cultural exchange kind of project like to bring in these young musicians that are studying and that are playing and to really give them some of what I know from what I from growing up in the bay and like sharing you know some really important records stuff like rh factor and christian mcbride's music and old school james brown stuff and contemporary cuban stuff you know a lot of the stuff that i feel like is really relevant to to growing up in the bay as a musician um i've been sharing with them and i continue to do so with them and with my other students at Unicach. so so las mojarras what started out as just something for me to, you know, as a vehicle for my tunes and as kind of like my thesis project, being an undergrad again, has turned into like, an, uh, I think, an important cultural project and educational project that can continue to grow in, in many ways, not only in the band and the, and the university, but um, I'm hoping to, you know, take it around to other music colleges in in Mexico, you know, take these concepts, musical concepts and academic concepts around the country and play more and also um, do more, like more academic activities around the country. Well, and one thing that I really loved in listening to the album is just how much you kind of play with time. Uh, you, you come in with uh, with different time signatures at different points in different songs or different time feels but mm -hmm. every everywhere that you do that it just the groove is so strong and it keeps going it's never it never feels distracting where the time feel or signature changes awesome <laughs> Yeah, uh, Raul, where can people find your music and how can people follow your musical journey? Well, Las Mojarras, you can find Las Mojarras Fritas Band on um, on YouTube, on Facebook, Instagram. Where our, the, the EP Groove Music is on all digital platforms, you know. I know that most people use Spotify, um, but it's on, it's on Apple Music as well. And it's on pretty much every platform. Yeah. Is, um, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? The, yeah, it's just it's just great to be back in the Bay. And I feel like I always get recharged with inspiration, creativity and get my ears refreshed. Um, I just saw Howard Wiley play the other night and and it, it just reminds me that 
the, the stuff that I'm doing is, you know, owes a lot to people like Howard Wiley and to the whole Bay Area family. Um, and it's great to hear them play and it's kind of like checking in again and okay, and I'm going to go back and continue to do what I'm doing. And I think it's, it's something that it's already leaving somewhat of a legacy in, in Chiapas and in Mexico, like Contratiempo Jazz, uh, they, if, if anybody gets a chance to, to read, uh, Contratiempo Jazz, they, they wrote an article about Las Mojarras Fritas. And I think it really speaks to, to my intention and to, to the things that I'm trying to get done in Chiapas and in Mexico. So I look forward to having more collaboration between the Bay Area and Chiapas. And we had Colin Hogan down there recently um, giving masterclasses and playing, you know, doing a lot of performing. And Maya Kronfeld also did an online masterclass with Unicach. And I'm, and I'm hoping to continue that, you know, I would, I would like to get Howard Wiley down there and, other musicians from the Bay, like Valerie Trout. So we'll, we'll, we'll be in touch and we'll be um, continuing to collaborate. Awesome. And I'm hoping that you can bring some of your uh, musicians from Las Mojaras Fritas and from Unicach up here and we can get the chance to see you all play together live. Yes. Yes. That's, that's a good idea. That's what I'm trying to do too. <laughs> all right. We got to wrap up. You are listening to law and disorder. I'm your host, Jesse Strauss, and this has been resistance in residence with this week's featured artist, bassist, composer, arranger, and associate professor in the jazz and popular music department of the university of arts and science in Chiapas, Mexico. His band Las Mojaras Fritas album is available wherever you stream music. And there's a link to listen in the show notes of this episode. Raul, thank you for joining us. Thank you. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox 5. Our Resistance and Residence theme music was composed by Jesse Strauss. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listeners. If you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>